That one was pretty close. It's nice to hear that sound, folks. When you do, you know it's time for another episode of the Rec Poker Podcast Forums Edition. I'm your host, Jim Reed, Bluffsterini in the home games and at Hold'em underscore Steelers on Twitter. Uh, I'd like to thank Learn Pro Poker, Website Amp, and the Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino for their support this year. And I'd like to thank Taylor Moss, John Somsky, Rob Washam, and Chris Jones for joining me tonight so we can talk a little poker. Uh, Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and where we can meet you? Yeah, I'm Chris Jones. I'm 5x5 five five on Poker Stars and Twitter. And I'm John? Taylor. Oh, 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 I was going to jump it's in there. I'm like Taylor that. Moss. Uh, you can find me in the rec poker home game as GopherboyTJM or on Twitter as at Taylor underscore Moss. I'm John Somsky. I'm Poker Geek MN everywhere, and I'm a little bit late sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Bradman50 everywhere. And it's not John's fault. Just like every week, we are playing in the Rec Poker home game tonight. So we are trying to take each other's chips. And poor John is also playing in the Papes tournament because it's uh, one of the days of the month where there's a six in it. So his attention is very divided. Everyone's out there to uh, get a pin tonight. Um, so the other thing we do every week is we take one post from the Rec Poker forums and uh, we talk about it here on the show. So this week, we're going to take a look at a post by Jamin96, who I happen to know is a pretty cool dude named Ben, who lives on the East Coast. And it's been fun getting to know you, Ben. So thanks for putting a uh, post here in the forums. So Ben says it was his first time playing in the home game last night in probably a month. And one hand really sticks out from the rest. Uh, and I'll, I'll just go through the preflop action, and then we can talk a bit about uh, what makes this hand interesting. So... It's in a very early level, 2550 with an ante of six. And everybody has between uh, 50 and 85 big blinds. So there's an open from under the gun to 2.4 big blinds uh, to 120 chips. And it folds to us in the low jack with queen of diamonds, queen of clubs. So queen, jack, offsuit. Ben makes the fold. And it gets around to the big blind who also calls. Um, so we get to the flop with 8.8 big blinds. And before we get into with the flop, because there's some interesting stuff there. Does anybody want to talk about uh, the pre-flop action at this point? Just for me personally, Queen Jack suited is one of those hands that is worth having a conversation about in, in this kind of uh, situation. Well, actually, it was Queen Jack offsuit, right? Oh, sorry. Is that what I said? Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Queen of Diamonds, Jack of Clubs, good call. Yeah, we do things very professionally around here. The first time you read it, you read it as Queen Queen. Then you read <laughs> yeah. it as Queen Jack, and then you read it as Queen Jack suited. So, yeah, we're on top of things, aren't we? Yeah, uh, it's uh, just shaking some of the rust off. We are recreational podcast panelists as well, folks. Are you but a yes, big let, hand or what? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Queen, thank you. Uh, Queen of Diamonds, Jack of Clubs. Thanks, guys. Boom. Nailed it. Got Nailed it. it. Third time's the charm. You should see me with my audio cues, man. I am killing it tonight. <laughs> so what do, you th what do you think, guys? Queen Jack offsuit, under the gun, uh, open? This I typically am folding this right yeah. away. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's just, yeah, me too. for me, it's a fold. It's not, it's not in my range for calling or, you know, it, I... Calling is probably the worst thing you could do. Mm -hmm. uh, folding is probably the second best thing you could do. 
and or the best thing you can do, and the second best thing to do would be to three bet it. As a great, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm always tricky. I'm always wondering when, when that original raise is from under the gun. It it always sort of makes me hesitant to make these kind of three bets with these uh, offsuit Broadway cards because. I mean, their range isn't that wide to begin with, and you're kind of blocking a lot of the hands that you'd prefer they have when they open there and you want them to fold. So um, I, I am leaning towards fold. You are in late position. It's nice to play play flops in position, but I feel like you can do it with uh, with a stronger hand, with a hand that's going to play better than queen, queen jack offsuit. Yeah, for me, what really, like resonates with the fold in the stack sizes that we have. So we start with 3,000 chips and we're at the 2550 level. So everyone's got, you know, 60 big blinds, most likely. Uh, it looks like they gave some stack sizes, which is everyone, or we have a 52 big blind stack, an 81 big blind stack, and a 65 big blind stack. Like those are the situations where we don't really want to be playing an offsuit hand like Queen Jack because uh, we don't want to play for 50, 60 big blinds uh, with potentially a top pair type of hand and one that's going to be up against a range that has a lot of our top pairs beat. Um, it'd be more inclined to play this if we're shorter stacked and it becomes, you know, more so of the, you know, top pair is going to win. And if we lose a 15 big blind stack, it's not that crushing. Um, but it, once we get above like 20, 25 big blinds, then this just becomes a fold for sure. And even on those shorter stacks where I'm saying it's slightly more lucrative, uh, probably still is a fold there too. Yeah, and the other thing I don't like about about um, flatting here is just our position too. There's just, we've got, uh, we're in the cutoff, right? So we've got, no, we're in the low jack. So we've got we've got a ton of players to act behind us as well. Um, and so we're reacting to an under the gun open. We've got a ton of people behind us. We're just, we're going to get squeezed so much with a hand we cannot continue with. Um, it's, it just really feels like a hand we need to get rid of. And I noticed that what we said earlier at jam in 96, our, our correspondent here says that it was the first time playing in the home game in probably a month or so. And I think when you don't play often, you do get tempted to make these calls where it's just like, let's, let's just see a flop. You know, I didn't, I haven't played. I want to play some poker, you know, queen Jack offsuit looks like a hand that's got decent equity. And um, you know, it kind of depends on like, what, what are you there for? What are you there for? Are you there to have fun and gamble or are you there to have fun and play sound strategic winning poker? You know um, you can have elements of both of that in your game, but I know when I haven't played in a while, I loosen up for sure. <laughs> And I, I get a little passive and I, you know, want to, I want to play a little bingo poker um, because that's fun. Um, but we are talking about sound poker strategy here. And I think uh, in a vacuum, the panel says it's probably a fold there. Uh, it, now, every once in a while, you get some fun situations post-flop. So here's what ends up happening. So there's almost nine big blinds uh, in the pot when the big blind calls as well. And the flop comes nine of clubs, jack of diamonds, 10 of clubs. So we've got top pair and uh, an open-ended straight draw with one over. I think we've got a backdoor. Do, do you have a club in his hand? Do we have a backdoor flush? Yep. So there's a lot of potential here. 
And uh, the action's kind of interesting. So the big blind player into the nine big blind pot leads the minimum for one big blind, which is interesting. I always think that minimum bet is usually not in a balanced range. So it should tell you something about that player and their holdings. And then the original uh, player, the original raiser from under the gun uh, raises to 5.4 big blinds. So it puts four and a half on top, which is uh, adding about half the previous pot to it, which is not that big a raise either. So what does that tell you guys about their holdings here? So again, the flop is nine of clubs, jack of diamonds, 10 of clubs, three-handed, we get a donk for one big blind and a raise from under the gun. And now it's our action. What are people thinking? I mean, multi-way, this is tough, right? Like we have, we're in a hand with three people and the other two people that have acted before us have shown some sort of inclination to liking this hand. Uh, and we also like our hand. I mean, having top pair with a straight draw pretty darn good but the best you could hope for in this situation outside of actually like flopping a straight or something like that so we should feel good about it but now we're stuck in like a weird spot do we call and try and you know see a turn card do we raise again because we like our hand that much uh, I think folding is out of the question when we flop like this if we're gonna fold uh, on this flop we for sure should be playing the hand to begin with um, it, I think a call is all right here. Um, and th this is what makes it so tough with like these short or the stacked ups that we have. If we're shorter stacked is, I think it's just an easy, just jam it in. But the fact that it's five big blinds in there, we probably have another 50 or so behind. Uh, there's some limiting things to do there. Cause if we do get it all in, we're almost likely behind almost for sure behind and yeah, I, I roundabout way of me saying like, I think a call is all right here, but there are, you know, raising options that I think aren't that bad either. Yeah, and I, I tend to, you know, pretty, you know, pretty much discount a lot the I mean, that that one big blind lead can be real strength, but I, I tend to not take that into my decision making too much uh, and kind of consider that, you know, the, the, the bet we're getting here to five and a half big blinds is just a factor of having that initial raise. So I don't mind flatting this. It's, it's not like somebody has uh, had a, like a standard open and then a, you know, like a three bet of like a standard bet where we're really still dealing almost with like a, I, I just discount that that initial one so much that it, it's not something that I'm super scared of. But we're we're in we're in a dicey situation here. Um, regardless, we've we've flopped well, but this is a board that is gonna gonna hit a lot of ranges. It's gonna connect with a lot of um, a lot of people who've come along with this. So it's one where we've also got to be careful with. So I think I do prefer the flat, but it's also why. I, I think this is a this is a tough situation to put yourself in in the first place, um, because even when you flop this well, you're really struggling to figure out what to do at this stack depth. Yeah, but this I, is. But 
Okay. But with this in this exact spot, if I had made this initial call pre-flop, um, I'm flatting here. Yeah, I think it's hard. It's hard to think about. You know, this is this is <laughs> this is an above-average flop for your hand. So I think you know, if this had been like a huge bet and then a shove or something like that, then that would be more of a decision about whether to continue. But I think, and as you say, Chris and Taylor made a good point earlier too about the sizing. Um, the fact that you're only facing 5.4 big blinds, like that's only a slightly above uh, half pot bet anyway, even if it, I mean, you can like, you can call even expecting to hit a, your straight outs, you know, almost by the time you get to the river and uh, Binkley makes a point here in the forum. And I should say folks, we, we skim through the forum posts here when we talk about this stuff, because we don't want to, we don't want to talk on here for an hour about one hand. I know some of that would be fun, but that's what you go to the wrecking crew for. Um, and Binkley makes a good point in here that uh, you really should think about that donk as a check almost. And I, I think this is a great way to think about those little min bets, especially when they're out of position is just treat them like a check. So Binkley is right on the money here. When they make that one big blind donk and then the under the gun player raises, I would just treat it as though you've been, you're facing a bet for 5.4 big blinds into an eight big, into a nine big blind uh, pot. And I, I think it's a call too with, with our holding for sure. And you don't love that you get to reopen the action, but that's a pretty weak line that donk. So um, I think that, I think it's a call for sure. Anybody Can you else? treat it as exactly as a check though? Because like it's such a connected board, nine ten jack, mm. and they're putting at least some sort of bet out there. Like if they have nothing, don't you just check give up? When they lead out for at least one big blind, I give it at least some sort of credibility that it's not the bottomest part of their range. Like if you have uh, pocket fives here, you're not leading out for a big blind. Like there, there's almost no chance that you're doing it. but it, it checked is what the line you're going to take. So you, I think you can actually like strengthen their range slightly by just getting rid of like a lot of their bogus hands. So, do you so think in generality, I, I like to think of it as a check when we're talking about just, you know, the grand scheme of things, but the way this is played out multi-way with this connected of a board, uh, I just, I think I think there's at least some credibility to them leading out for a single big blind. I think that's a great point about chopping off the bottom of their range there. I think that's right because uh, I mean you could include if you wanted to include some like draw hands with no showdown equity that they chose not to check there. Like I think that is more likely than a pair of pocket fives. I, I mean I know Taylor you don't play that five five garbage anyway, but um, you know some players might disagree. Uh, so what should we talk a little bit about what do we think is the subset of hands that they might lead one big blind with there just academically? Cause it's a really weird move, isn't it? I mean, to me, and to just take like a rough stab at it, it feels like it's, you know, some sort of either an eight or a queen, some sort of pair, yeah. some sort of club draw, uh, maybe even like a king would do this. Um, but like you can just weed out a lot of the other like stuff that's in there. Like, do they do this with five, six suited? No. Do they do this with pocket twos through pocket sixes? No. 
um, stuff like that. So like you can't like scrape out a whole bunch, but you can take out a decent chunk of like what their range might look like. Do you think they do it with five, six of clubs? Yes. Um, I, I tried saying clubs right away. So yeah, any, any club combos that okay. they have, I think they might do that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tend to read this as, as, you know, they've either paired one of these or they've got some sort of a draw. Um, even something like pocket sevens or pocket eights would, would maybe make sense here too. Um, so yeah, they're not, they're not doing this with complete garbage, but they're, I don't, they're also probably, I don't think they're doing this. I mean, some players would do this with like King Queen, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if a lot of people would. You guys worried about them reopening the action when it comes to your decision here to call or to raise or to fold? Is that, is that, is that a, a factor here? Not too worried about that. From what I've seen, you know, in our home games here, if they were to reopen the action, it would almost never be a bluff this early in the hand mm. so i think you could just comfortably fold mm -hmm. at that point in time yeah agreed so as played and i think we all agree that's the right play by uh jam in 96 here uh, so they do call with the top pair now do we want to talk about raising is there is there an incentive to raise here uh, i mean we we kind of have I don't know that under the gun range, I don't think is capped here. So there's no reason to think that they're, is that true? I think that's true. They're showing a lot of strength with that two bed on the flop and they have the top of that straight sometimes. So I don't see why that would be a problem. They have, you know, some over pairs too, I guess it depends on who they are. So you don't want to get into a spot where you've got top pair and you are, uh, letting them play perfectly with all their other holdings, right? What do you guys think? Is there a, an argument for raising there? I just think the hands that you're trying to get them to fold, if you raise, are like ace-king and ace-queen exclusively. Um, and I guess when you're trying to get them to fold that, you're trying to deny the potential of equity of hitting either a queen or a king to give them a straight. Because um, otherwise you're all right playing against those hands, but everything else that they have that has some sort of value probably beats you. It's hard for them to have a hand that doesn't unless they open under the gun with something like a king 10. And you can get that to call a raise, but then we're, we're stretching on those types of things. Uh, if we raise, we're likely only getting called by over pairs and straights and flush draws that probably have straight equity in them too. So I, I just think raising is probably just out of the question here. I think just flat calling is the right option. Yeah, me too. And I think when you raise, what you do is you contort their continuing range. To, to It's just only hands that beat you then. So like, it's like Taylor says, other players' ranges are impacted by your actions. And you can change the hands that you think they're gonna continue through that action by the size of your bet or race. 
So by creating a circumstance where they're only continuing with monsters, um, you're not really helping yourself. It's not really a value raise because you're not actually getting action from any of the hands that you beat. So I think, I think for me speaking, it's a, it's a clear call, even with the uh, out of position players still, um, still to act. And I think sometimes also the other thing to add to that is, is sometimes I think we get into this, Oh, I'm going to raise and I'm going to push out, you know, there's like, I'm going to push out their strong flush draws. Cause that's really scary. I don't want a club to come, but I think sometimes we think we can push out more flush draws than we actually can. Um, I mean, if they have a really strong flush draw here, I, I don't, with, you know, with some, maybe some overcards or some, some straight equity or those kinds of things. I, I don't know that we're going to be able to push them out no matter what we do is sort of a raise here. So I, I like a call a lot as well. And that's something they talk about on the thinking poker podcast all the time too. And I know I'm always talking about the thinking poker podcast, but um, Andrew always says, you know, no one's folding any draws here anyway. And it always makes me think like, well, <laughs> so that, that has to affect the way you're value betting in these spots then, right? Like if you're playing in these player pools mm -hmm. where no one's ever folding any draws, I mean, you got to be real thoughtful about how you're going to bluff on draw heavy boards, but you should also be very thoughtful about how you're playing like sets and stuff here too. Um, if no one's, or, or the, if you've got the made straight here, um, because if no one's ever folding those draws, just think about what that means when you're holding those value hands. You know, maybe you can afford to just get some straight up value and not have to be so tricky about it sometimes. It's never a good time for a bluff and, and, a, bet, and a value bet at the same time. But it, usually if it's a bad spot for a bluff, it's a good spot for a value bet. So think about if there's ways you can find the other side of that coin in uh, some spots like this. So uh, as played, it's called and the big blind calls as well. So we come to the turn there is 25 big blinds in the middle and it's the two of clubs. So the board is nine of clubs, jack of diamonds, 10 of clubs, two of clubs. And we have the queen of diamonds and the jack of clubs. So we've still got top pair. There's a flush on the, well, there's three to a flush on the board and we've got the queen to go along with it. And other than that, not that uh, exciting. The big blind player checks and the under the gun player bets 15 and a half big blinds, which is about two thirds of the pot. What do we think here? People have shown some, some interest in this pot and this player who raised under the gun, got called, then two bet the flop uh, is now making a bigger raise than they did, a bigger bet than they did before relative to the pot. You have basically the same hand you had before but um, now it's behind the flushes. You've got a redraw to the queen and you still got your straight outs, but with a flush on board, that's never that exciting. What are people thinking at this point? How, how excited are you? Not very. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the flush, the flush came in. So, I mean, and that's one of the things that you're always looking at. Doesn't seem to be scaring off our opponent. Mm -hmm. um, the guy under the gun is, so he's, at the very least, he's got a ace or a king of clubs in his hand. Um, you know, he could have a pair of aces, pair of kings, one of them being the club. Or he could have the ace, king of clubs, for that matter, which would be, you know, devastating. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, he's showing a lot of strength, and I don't know that I could continue here. You know, I have a very over-enlarged knit bone, which means that <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to consider folding in this spot. 
Yeah, I, I agree. This this um, When we get two people who flat here, you're going multi-way to a turn that has a really obvious flush draw on board, and then that flush hits, and nobody seems very scared about that fact, uh, putting a big fed into two players. Um, and I, I, this is this is no longer a hand that I'm very excited about going any further with. <laughs> and, um, and I will point out the clubs on the board are the two, the nine, and the ten, and we've got the jack. So under the gun, you know, they really only have the ace, the king, and the queen available to them. Uh, maybe they're playing some some wheel suited aces, but having the nine, the ten, and the jack not in the deck for them does really limit the number of club combos they can have under the gun. I think because it's mm -hmm. it's really just that ace king, ace queen, king queen, king queen had the straight the whole time, um, which is consistent with their raise. I mean that would be a pretty sweet spot to be in, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. So from combinatorics, there's three. Uh, flushes that they have ace king of clubs ace queen of clubs king queen of clubs um, but there's also six combos of aces six combos of kings like it's more likely that they have aces or in this exact spot uh, actually twice is more likely that they have ace here than they do flush uh, so that's worth noting in terms of like what are we worried about and things um if this was heads up, I'd actually be on board with just calling here. Uh, the thing that makes me lean fold is the fact that there's another person in the hand, that big blind, that when they donk lead, a decent part of their range is two of those clubs. So um, we have to at least give that some sort of credit. And if they do have clubs and we call here, we're just toast. because. Um, if we call, we're hoping for a king, an eight, a queen, or a jack, which, you know, there's a decent amount of those out there to kind of uh, catch up first this under the gun person, because we're most likely behind here. Uh, so if it was heads up that under the gun, which we have a pretty good range definition of, I think calling is kind of okay. It might be like break even or maybe even slightly losing money in this spot, but it's probably close enough to at least consider. Uh, with that person in the hand, I think it's a fold. So as played, uh, Jam in 96 does call, and we go to the river, which is the queen of spades. So, and the big blind also calls. Uh, so the pot's getting big, no one's scared off. Um, the river is the nine of clubs. Sorry, the river is the queen of spades. So nine of clubs, jack of diamonds, ten of clubs, two of clubs, queen of spades. So there's a three card flush, a four card straight. We've got the top two pair and we are in position. So the uh, blinds player shoves for the remaining 43.8 big blinds into a pot of 56 and is called by the under the gun player with 31 big blinds. And uh, now here we are, we've got top two on a very scary board. What, what are people thinking? I know what uh, I'm thinking. I wouldn't have played it pre-flop. I would have called on the, on the flop. I would have folded the turn. So at this point in time, I'm out of the hand because any king beats me. 
right? Mm -hmm. A single yeah. king right now beats me. Yeah, I think Ben did fold on the turn, um, but just showed what the river action was. But oh, even okay. if we made it to the river here and we have top two pair and it goes shove and call, I think we have, have to lay down two pair here. Good call. Like, sure. We, we got the card that like, hey, it looks good, but what what are they playing that two pair beat in the same spot? So if we even got this spot, I think it's uh, never tell anyone what I actually had here and just fold. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what what do we beat? I mean, like one. Yes, if we, yeah, I think I think the that we did get a fold here in the turn. But if we we did, this he river, said it, he said it very yeah. thoroughly. Yep. If we reach this river, you know, I can believe one person's bluffing. But once you get a call there, now I mean, what are they calling with? If we, I mean, boy, are they are they calling with Jack Ten or something? I mean, I, you know, I just think there's there's nothing that we're we're beating here. Yeah, and Ben does make the point here. He says, "My first move on the turn." was to hit the button for all in, but then something stopped him and he started thinking about ranging his opponent. And he says, you know, what the heck is player one betting this turn with? And I'm even going to win if my flush does get there. And he does some really good thoughtful thinking about what it is that the opponent might have and says, so with my time bank ticking away and almost gone, I smashed the fold button. <laughs> and I think, I think that's right. I think that's a disciplined fold that, yeah, sh that just shows fold. you're thinking about what these other players have. And, you know, the absolute strength of your hand is important but particularly multi-way um, on wet boards like this, when there's one player calling out of the big blind, you know, ranges are, are really important. And I think this was a, this was a savvy play on the turn. Any uh, other closing thoughts for Ben? I know we like to keep these short and sweet, but uh, this was a great post. It was a lot of good details in here and I wanted to uh, give everyone a chance to kind of flush that out. Yeah. I think this is the kind of thinking that I saw from Ben when I railed him that one night. I think he came in fourth uh, on one of our home games. And I railed him until about 11 o'clock until they were down to four players. So um, <laughs> this was the kind of thing, this is the kind of things that he was talking about through his thought process as we were going through that. And I was very impressed with the way he did that. So other than his call on a pre-flop, I, I think he played the hand very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it feels like it. Uh, so, uh, Ben, uh, Jammin96, thanks for writing in. And um, you and everyone else, uh, what we, we started this new uh, feature, the Rec Room, where if you want to connect with any of the members from the Wrecking Crew, I mean, there's two ways to do it. Uh, lots of the members of the Wrecking Crew, if you go to the Rec Poker Shop, have all sorts of ways to get in touch, whether it's working with them by the hour, doing database reviews, going through video of your play and analyzing it. Um, there's lots of great ways to get better working with someone who can sort of show you some shortcuts and take an objective look at your game. Uh, but if, uh, you know, if that's not your thing, we also have this rec room where once a month, any premium member can just, if there's a hand they want to share in person with one of the wrecking crew members, just email me, Jim at rec.poker and say, here's the hand and pick a member from the wrecking crew. And everyone here on the panel, uh, Taylor Moss, John Somsky, Rob Washington, Chris Jones, um, also Woody Adams, uh, Andrew Feist. Um, I think we've got a, a couple other excellent members from our panel uh, and, and beyond who are all interested in working with you. So email me, Jim at rec.poker, say, here's the hand or concept I want to discuss. Here's the member of the wrecking crew I'd like to talk to 
about it and we'll set you guys up for half an hour over zoom you guys can go through the action talk strategy together and uh, we'll send it out to our premium members so don't be a stranger and if uh, if you're interested in um, our rec poker forums go post a hand in there talk about a concept in there you get all sorts of great feedback from fun folks wizards like these and it's a great place to just learn at your own pace and if we like your question, you might get it asked on the podcast, might even have you come on and join us. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to thank Taylor Moss, John Somsky, uh, Rob Washam, I'm queuing up the music here, Chris Jones, our Learn Pro Poker website amp, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack and Casino, and Jammin' 96. Thanks, man. See you next week.